Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's Message of the Week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website, eurekafaithcenter.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. I want to introduce that we have Pastor Greg Morse with us. He is, I hesitate to call him a guest speaker, although technically he is, but he has a long history at Faith Center, um, and he's not always with us. So it's, if it's your first time here and you see Greg, tell him hi and give him a hug because you might not see him for a little bit. He's busy other places. So I, I generally don't love the word imitation because when I hear the word imitation, I think of things like artificial sweetener. <laughs> and so a word for me that, that would go along with imitation would be um, artificial, fake, counterfeit. However, imitation in Scripture is a pretty powerful positive word. And one of the places that we find that power uh, that word is 1 Corinthians 11. One, this is probably the most popular, the most well-known. Be imitators of me, Paul is saying of himself, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. So this idea that we should look to somebody who's an example and imitate their example, we do that actually all the time in life, right? Kids grow up imitating their parents or their friends, and, and that's why we want kids to have good friends because they imitate their friends. And so, so imitation, we, we're familiar with that idea. So we're going to talk about how imitation is, is part of our Christian culture. There are some other verses that might sound a little bit familiar. Ephesians 5.1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Hebrews 6.11 and 12, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And we are more familiar as a four-score church with the verse that comes right after that. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's, that's Hebrews um, 13. Oh, wait. Oh, I, did I jump ahead? Oh, I just jumped ahead. 13.7. I just jumped ahead. Let me do 13.7 so we can do 13.8. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In 3 John chapter 1, verse 11, which John, 3 John only has one chapter, but it says this. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. And then 1 Thessalonians, and there are others, but I'm going to end it with this. 1 Thessalonians 2.14, For you, brothers, became imitators, and I like to say sisters, brothers, and sisters became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. So, so this word imitate, imitator, imitation, has not a bad connotation in Scripture. And I want to focus on that fact that it's a good con connotation. So... All right, so we're going to narrow this down. Let's see if we can squeeze this in. I've been thinking about this for a couple weeks, that where we're going with this, this idea of, of genuine imitations. And I, I, really, I pray that the Holy Spirit has been thinking about it for those same two weeks, if you know what I mean. Uh, I, I want this to be something that's from him, not from me. But I want to start by asking some questions. These may sound familiar to you, and I'm going I'm to put it in the form of like you might have heard in a survey. Here we go. You can answer these out loud if you want, or just to yourself, or 
Just listen. Have you or anyone you know ever wondered or asked, what is God's plan for me? Have you or anyone you know ever wondered or asked, how do I become more like Jesus? Okay. Guess how this next one's going to start. Have you or anyone you know ever wondered or asked, what's God's will for me? That's very much like the first question. What's God's will for me? Have you or anyone you know ever wondered or asked, why can't we just get along? Why can't we just be in unity? So you or someone you know has most likely asked all of these and many more questions that are similar. I know that I've asked them throughout my walk with Jesus. And um, by the way, we honored and well, we prayed for, but we incorporated, maybe honored is not that, well, we, we honored the church in Crescent City this morning, right? That's the church where I accepted Jesus as a third grader, eight years old. Yeah, yeah. And I embarrassed my wife the last time we were in here, but I'm going to do it again. And 45 years ago, that's where we had our first kiss. Aww, was at that same place. Yeah. And it wasn't on our wedding day. We actually did kiss before we got married. So. All right. So our first uh, section of verse, verses are there on your handout. They, uh, they squeeze them in there. This is from Paul to, um, to Paul and Timothy to the church in Philippi. One of his truly most loved churches. He had a great relationship with the church in Philippi. They supported him in his ministry and so on. So it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. You're going to recognize, some of you are going to recognize this next verse. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, how many of you have heard this phrase? You don't have to raise your hand, but just think about it. Text without context is pretext. You, you, anybody? Okay, raise your hand. I want to see if I'm just talking to myself. Okay. All right, I see some hands out there. All right. So I, when I'm in the word, I like to look at the words around the, the verse that I'm sharing, because as I said, we're pretty familiar with verse 6, and we see it on little, uh, little scripture plaques, and 
we probably, maybe some of us have one of those cute little scripty looking things and maybe we have it up like above our desk or on our mirror in the bathroom and, and it's really encouraging. I know the plans I have for you, but I want to help you. The you there is we. The you there is us. When Paul's talking to the church, he is speaking clearly from what I read, and that's why I included the beginning. He's speaking to the whole church at Philippi, and when he says you, that's what we call the corporate you, like you, like you all, as we were from the South. We'd say y'all, I can't even say it right, help me out, right? Y'all, there you go. Y'all. Um, in California, we say, I don't know, I don't know if it, we say this anymore, you guys, yeah, you guys. I was at a youth thing. But here's how old I am. I was at a youth thing. By the way, I didn't share this in the last service. This is just for you. I was at a youth thing when I was about 19, and it was called the Four Square Youth Congress. Really? Could you imagine those kids that were sitting over there going to a Four Square Youth Congress? Oh, my word. But I did. It was exciting, right? And so I went to Granby, Colorado, and beautiful, by the way, way up in the mountains. And there were all these people there from all over, including Guatemala and Texas and other foreign countries like that. <laughs> and the, the Guatemalans were gorgeous people. They were, oh, they were so humble. They were so lovely. And the Texans were like, Y'all from California, you got something wrong with y'all because you say you guys. We're not guys, right? This is the girls talking to me. We're not guys. What are you talking about, you guys? Anyway, so I think I drove that thing into the ground, right? But, <laughs> but my point is this. That's the you that we're talking about here. You. That's the you that Paul was talking about. You. The church at Faith Center. You. That's who we are, you. And so that's important, so let's look at some points. Our decision to follow Jesus is individual, but we travel on our journey with others. And here's the harder part. Meg mentioned it earlier. The journey is difficult and messy. It's difficult and it's messy. And we mess up. We mess up big time. I've been following Jesus since I was eight. And I've messed up a lot on the way. I messed up a week ago on Friday. I stepped in it big time. I disrespected somebody. And I, I got called on the carpet for it. And I deserved to. And I thank the people who called me on the carpet. Because I was wrong. It's difficult. And it's messy. And I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus, you're going to mess up. And we're going to get to further in this, and, but we're going to see that there's hope in that. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. But now it gets really meaty. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. We just did 1 through 11 from chapter 1. Let's go to chapter 2. Therefore, if any...
it, there, excuse me, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, and of course we do have, right? He's not saying we don't. If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Do not look, or excuse me, not looking, I'm reading another translation in my brain, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And now I underline this one in my notes. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Pastors of churches, people on staff, should never use their position to their own advantage. Anyone in leadership should never use their own position to their own advantage. And as Christians, how much more, right? And that's where I messed up a week ago. I used my position to my advantage. And praise God, I have people that care enough about me to say, stop it. That was wrong. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> our example is just Jesus. <laughs> huh. Wow. Wow. I'm at Redwood Christian School as the principal, and we have a little chapel that we do. And every time we're in chapel, we do a song or songs. And last week, on one day, we still have DVDs and CDs, and like, whew, we are way up to speed. Um, a song came up on the screen from 1979, the year I was married. And I went right back. I was like, oh. <laughs> here was the song. I'm not going to sing it. I'll read the words. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus to reach out and touch him and say that we love him. Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. And that's a sweet song. It's an old song, but it's a sweet song. If there's anything I can help us with today, don't give up that kind of tenderness in your heart, genuineness, seeking Jesus, but understand you don't walk with him alone. We walk together in all the messiness that that means. Let's keep moving on. Some more points. 
How many have heard of have an attitude of gratitude? Yeah, attitude of gratitude. Our attitude is not just one of gratitude. It is fully surrendering our will to God. Ouch. Uh, and here's a word that I've heard. I know it's made up, but I used it. Easy believism and following Jesus don't coincide. They don't really go together. But wait a minute. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28, and 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, we could unpack that for a while, but I don't have time right now. But um, yes, he was speaking to something specifically there, but isn't it just easy to follow Jesus? Don't we just sing worship songs and come together on Sunday? And, and then, you know, we listen to Christian radio. And isn't it all just that? No. No, talk to anybody in any, anywhere else in the world and they will tell you, no, that is not it. It is not that. When I am going through hard times, when the road is difficult, I know that I'm sharing the yoke with him and I know that he's carrying it with me. I know that I'm not carrying it alone, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. It's easy. I don't know if you know this, but an ox yoke is for work. It's not like decor. They put it on to work. So we should probably take a moment to catch our breath. Man, Greg, I thought, I thought guest speakers were supposed to come and like make us happy. Mm. All right. I like that size. Size are useful. I heard a sigh. Sigh is such a powerful thing. What's wrong? Nothing. It just felt so good to sigh. It's just so good. John 17, and, and we're really coming to the crux of the matter here. During, uh, you know, tithe, I said that God said to test me in this, or offering time, I should say, God said to test me in this. This is the only place in Scripture where we get to truly be the answer to Jesus' prayer. Now, I had that come to me as a little personal revelation a few days ago, and then last night, I actually looked in a commentary to see if I was just out to lunch, and, and the commentary said, this is the only place <laughs> where we're the answer to Jesus' prayer. <laughs> I said, thank you, Jesus. My notes are already done. I don't have to change my notes. So let me read it. Chapter 17, this is just before Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane, before he faced the cross, and he's praying. He's picking up verse 13, chapter 17, John. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. I'm going to pause right here and tell you that that word sanctify is the word that's often 
translated holy, hagios, in Greek, hagios, holy or set apart. So now I want to reread that last part with set apart. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I am set apart, that they too may be truly set apart. Somebody asked me earlier today, how's the world treating you? And I said, awful. I mean, honestly, how is the world treating you? Well, the world is only going to ever treat us one way. Now, can good things happen? Sure, good things happen. And I know when people say that, they're not, they're not expecting you to go say awful. <laughs> but, you know, I thought I'd turn it. And they understood. That's why I knew I could get away with it. Because it happened at that door right back there. No, the world's not treating me great, and the world's not treating you great, but Jesus is. And he loves you. And I need you. And you need me. We need each other because we have a world that's against us. Have you been watching the news? We have a world that's against us. And to believe anything other than that is not to understand Scripture. So, so we need each other. My prayer is not for them alone. I love this part because this is now coming into like now. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete, here it is, unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Unity will let the world know that we are sent by Jesus and they will respond to the message either with yes or no, either with love or hate, but they will know because of our unity that we are from God and God is with us. And you don't have to be a real student of church history to know that we messed that up terribly. We often pray for unity, or we say, why can't we just be unified? Well, the reason I'm going to put forth is because we don't do the work to be unified. We don't do what it takes to be in unity. So I'm going to read the four points again. Our decision to follow Jesus is individual, but we travel on our journey with others. The journey is difficult and messy. Our attitude is not just one of gratitude. It is fully surrendering our will to God. Easy believism and following Jesus don't coincide. And I'm going to, in a moment, there are going to be some words come up. Don't, don't put them up just yet. Just hold on. Just hold on. If we believe what we just read, if we believe that we're to be one, just as Jesus and the Father are one, 
Could you hear in Jesus' words that then there's a responsibility on our part that we truly can be the answer to his prayer? Father, that you, that you would make them one even as we are one. So, I got excited when I thought about being the answer to Jesus' prayer. We pray to him all the time. But is anybody in this room excited about being the answer to Jesus' prayer? Amen. Yes. Could it be that in this generation when the world around us is so dysfunctional and falling apart that we could begin to do the work to unify so that the world will see him as they've never seen him before? I hope so. I hope so. But it's going to take something. It's going to take something. So some words are going to go up on the screen. I know they are. Bum, 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 bum. There they are. The, the first four you can find through the verses that I, that I read. Love, service, humility, forgiveness. But I've added a fifth one, and I'm going to add a sixth one that's not up there because it came later. Transparency. Now, we can all agree that the church functions because of love and service and we should walk in humility. We can all agree with that. That's not hard. But forgiveness? What? I have to forgive? Transparency. Transparency. How do you live in a transparent way? Well, let me give you the key to transparency. Repentance. Repentance. When you mess up, it's probably obvious to others, but make it obvious to yourself. Be transparent. Don't be defensive. People are going to wrong you. I've found in my life more likely than not I'm wronging somebody else. I don't mean to, but... It's taken me years to, for my first response not to be defense. I'm getting better. Still have a ways to go. But if we will be transparent enough with one another to say, you know what? I am really hurting. During the week that I really messed up, which was just a week ago, I probably had, well, and I'm sure I've messed up since then, but this one was not good. Um, I had probably four people come to me and say, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I guess there was something showing that said, he's not okay. But I'm okay. We have to be transparent enough. with. I didn't really recognize that I was not okay, so that's probably why I said I'm Okay. But we have to be willing to be transparent enough that when somebody comes to us and says, yeah, I think you're not okay. We can say, let's talk about that. You know, since we're talking about that, there are quite a few things here that aren't okay. Maybe you could help me with those. Or maybe you could direct me to somebody who can help me with them. They might be bigger than your wheelhouse. I don't know. 
I am not the guy that wants to just bear my heart to everybody. Trust me, I can't stand social media, but, um, I, but I, I, I appreciate people that are really gifted with social media. I do. We have a gifted person at RCS that puts stuff out there that just makes us look like, why wouldn't everybody want to come to Redwood Christian School, right? So I, I appreciate the gift. I'm just not that guy. So if somebody comes to you and says, um, are you okay? Maybe you should just pause for a moment. Say, huh, you know, you're the second person that said that today. Or you're the third person that's brought that to me in the last couple of days. Maybe something's not okay. And then you can be transparent with those that are around you enough to begin to unpack the stuff that you maybe were keeping inside. Probably something that might involve forgiveness somewhere along the line yourself or someone else and clear up those things so that you can be effective in the kingdom of God for Jesus and we can walk together in unity because we're, we're walking in repentance and forgiveness with one another because we're being transparent enough not to guard our own little kingdom but to understand that the kingdom of God is bigger than our own little kingdom better than our own little kingdom more powerful than our own little kingdom and God wants to do things in the earth in spite of us, <laughs> through us. How about that? He wants to use us, but it's going to take something from us. It's going to take a surrendering of our will to His will, just like we read in Philippians chapter 2. Jesus surrendered His will to the Father's will and went to the cross. And He's our example. Uh-huh. Yep. Wow, Greg, Whew. church is supposed to be fun. But I think this is a big deal. I think this is a big deal. I think God can take us to places as the big C church and the little C church that we could never even imagine that we could arrive at once we move away from self and move to Jesus, move to his kingdom, move from me to us, move from me to we to see what God can do. Amen? But it's going to take a little something from all of us. It's called surrendering our will to his will. So I believe that transparency, repentance, and forgiveness are the three key ingredients to unity. And by walking in unity, we truly become those who accurately reflect him to each other and to the world. I know that Faith Center is going through a season. I was part of another season here. I know that we're in a season. Do you believe that God's big enough to take Faith Center if we will walk in unity? Yes, I know that's a big ask. If we will walk in unity. And that doesn't mean the leadership doesn't need to be, you know, corrected. I got corrected last week. It does, it, you understand? We're, we're, all, we're all part of this. And if we will be humble enough to walk with one another as part of what Jesus is calling us to do for his kingdom, then whatever the world has to offer, whatever the world brings toward us, we will stand. And we will stand in the day of Christ Jesus, as Paul talked about. That's a big invitation. So this idea of reflection, you know, we, 
we talk about reflecting Jesus. I think more projection is the right word, but um, it works for my illustration to talk about reflection. We are to, because we use this term, we say that we're to reflect Jesus to the world, right? We say that. We're to re, when, G, when people look at us, they're to see Jesus. So the reflection that comes off of us is not supposed to be us fully. It's supposed to also be Jesus. It's supposed to be Jesus in us. If we will walk in forgiveness, if we will walk in repentance, if we will walk transparently, our reflection that we give back to the world of who Jesus is will not be cloudy. It will be clear. It will be clear. And so we're to reflect Jesus and you can't get a good reflection from a cloudy mirror. You can't do it. So here's my question. We're about to end. And it says I'm at negative 414. So, Golly. I'm in, I'm in negative territory. Wow. But I've, I learned something in math. You know, you're never too old to learn. I learned that negative numbers aren't real numbers. <laughs> I was so excited by that because they're not, count, they're not counting numbers. But wait a minute, I thought we, no, they're, according to definition, they're not real. So I rebuke that right there, right now. <laughs> Are we willing to do the hard work to be the answer to Jesus' prayer? Are we willing to be genuine imitations that will do the hard work to be the answer to Jesus' prayer? You can only answer that individually, but corporately, together, we can, we can walk in that.